Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. On another lovely Saturday morning, what a streak we're on. Beautiful weather, but boy, we need some rain. It is dry out there, folks. Uh, plants are really struggling. It It's the total opposite of spring. We've hit the summer, the summer drought, um, you know, working in the garden. We were working in the uh, garden center gardens. We've, we're doing a major revamp of our main garden in the center of the uh, nursery in Yarmouth. And, boy, we were taking some plants out and kind of working through some things, and the ground is absolutely popcorn dry. There is no moisture in that ground. If you're having problems with some of your plants, the likelihood is they're running too dry, not too wet. We've had a lot of people calling, a lot of people coming into the garden center with uh, many, many problems. If you have problems in your garden, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Give me a call. We can talk over some of the problems you're having. I was looking at my vegetable garden last night. And not a lot of problems there. The only things I'm seeing, uh, maybe a little bit of water stress, where they got a little bit dry this this past week uh, in that heat. Uh, didn't get the uh, water down soon enough, so a few yellow leaves. But overall, no real insects to talk about. A uh, little bit of, of damage on the cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower with some cabbage worm. Uh, but nothing major. We've taken care of that problem, but there's not a lot going on in the garden other than some weeding. So today I'm going to be doing some weeding in the vegetable garden, kind of cleaning up some of that, getting it re-spruced up and ready to go. But if you have questions, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. The plants, you know, out there are looking, you know, fair. On my drive-in today, I, you know, I always take a look at all the different homes on, on the drive-in to the radio station here, and there was one common theme I kind of had for the whole drive. Boy, everything looks really green right now. You know, you've got a lot of hydrangeas that are really prime right now. You've got some Rosa Sharon that are starting to bloom and look good, you know, but other than that, there really isn't a lot of show-stopping plants in people's gardens. And we are approaching fall now. Summer is kind of, you know, we're waning on, on summer. We're getting towards the end, and now we're starting to get into what I like to call Indian summer. You know, it was nice. It was in the mid-40s, low-50s this morning when I woke up. You know, just that crisp feel in the air. You know, uh, it just basically feels like fall every morning. And in the evenings, the humidity's dying down, great sleeping weather, it's gardening weather again. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit today about it's time to prep for fall. So you can start kind of plugging away at all your fall work now, okay? Don't wait until late September to do all of it, okay? You can go ahead and start cutting back a lot of perennials that don't look good. Okay, so, you know, I visited a wonderful customer yesterday afternoon, and, you know, she was like, I don't know what to do. Should I cut this stuff back? Should I not? Should I move it? Where should I? So the general rule of thumb now is if the plant is withering and passing and you've got a lot of growth that's either black or brown or not looking good, go ahead and cut back those perennials. Having all of that dead organic matter 
hanging out in your garden just does nothing but create more insect and disease problems. So go ahead and start pruning those right back to the ground. Now, obviously, if you have questions on what to do, you can contact us here at the at the show, or you can go ahead and you know call us at the garden center um, or pop in. But a general rule of thumb is now, you know, most of your daylilies can be cut back. Most of your hosta can start to be cut back. Most of your perennials, you know, anything that's bloomed, you know, and is past bloom, if it's started to set seeds, you know, all the flowers are by, you know, your say your uh, Shasta daisies, you know, a lot of those are kind of gone by, cut them right down to the ground, okay? Get all that dead material into the compost pile or, or take it to the, your local compost facility, uh, but now is the time to start. And the reason being is you can clean up some of these areas and make room for maybe a few fall annuals, some mums, some asters, you know, kind of start adding in a few other things that would be of interest in color going forward. Now, on the mums, you really shouldn't be buying mums that are in full bloom right now. Okay, I'm noticing a lot of of uh, stores right now have mums that are two-thirds of the way open and you know you go to the grocery store you go to your local store you should look for mums that are maybe cracking color or just starting to bloom you don't really want to put in mums that are in full bloom right now okay they're gonna pass within by mid-september and then you're gonna have to repurchase some for later in the season so good mums shouldn't have a lot of color yet Ours are barely, barely, barely showing a little bit of swelling on the buds right now. Not much of any color on any of our mums, but that is the time you want to plant them. Get them in, fill some of these holes, and they'll last a lot longer if you plant them in the ground and they'll take a lot less water because they'll root in. Now, if you're going to put some on the patios and you're going to put some on, on, on kind of the step or whatnot, you could, you could probably wait. But if you're going to plant some in the garden, get them in early so that you don't have the problems long term. If you have questions, don't hesitate to call 775-1310. Now's the time you also can start thinking about pruning back a few shrubs. Okay, now we want to stay away from things that set flower buds for next spring. So we're going to stay away from lilacs and, and rhododendrons and some of those things. Okay, because they've already set their flower buds for next year. But there are many plants you can start pruning now that don't have flower buds on old growth. They have it on new growth. So a prime example would be spirea. They bloom on new wood. Potentillas, nine bark. Nishiki willow, you know those dappled willows, they got the new pink and white growth all over them. You can prune those back aggressively anytime now. Wajelia, you know, those big old arching wajelias that are red and, you know, whites and and uh, there's many new ones that are pinks and, and dark foliage like summer wine and um, fine wine and all of those. You can go ahead and start pruning those back. Red twig dogwood. You know, with the wet year we've had, there's a lot of big stems. Now, if you want to use some red twig dogwood in your baskets and containers for Christmas, then don't prune them back now. But if they're just out of control and really need kind of to be shaped, you could do that now. The other thing is a couple evergreens. You know, yews and boxwoods, if you typically prune them every year, you could reshape them right now. The nice part about doing it now is they're going to acclimate for fall. 
the later we go in pruning yews and boxwoods, the more you open up yourself to winter damage, okay? So if you take them and shear them now, make sure and give them good water, though, because it is dry, okay? And any of this stuff that you're pruning, we want to probably water beforehand and after, just to make sure they're good and hydrated. We've got really nice sunny weather. It's cool. You know, maybe do them in the afternoon, late afternoon, if you can prune, and then water, and then let them sit overnight in the dark, and they will acclimate a little bit more, and kind of, you won't get what I would call sunburn on the leaves underneath that haven't had direct sunlight in a long time, okay? But certainly the temperatures are cooler. You can go ahead and start pruning any of those plants. So a lot of things you can kind of start to do to knock off some of those projects so that when the big trees drop all their leaves and, you know, you want to put your bed, your garden bed to bed, like the vegetable garden, clean that up, you can get a lot of this other stuff out of the way, okay? So kind of plugging away at it and picking and choosing some of these things to prune now, you'll actually have more time and, and to be able to enjoy fall. And fall is my favorite time of the year. It is by far my favorite time of year. The temperatures are cool. I feel like getting out in the yard and doing things. Typically, we have very nice stretches of weather where it's enjoyable to be outside. You can go do the apple picking. You can, you know, kind of get out there and enjoy Mother Nature at its finest. You know, visit, you know, a nice garden, you know, uh, you know, go up to the Coastal Maine Botanical Gardens, go check out the fall colors. Now, fall, since we're on the cusp of it, now is the time you're going to start to understand which plants are really stressed from this year. Any plants or trees that start to show fall color reasonably early, you know they're stressed in some way. So it's a good sign right now if your plants are starting to yellow leaves or drop leaves or start to show a little bit of orange or red fall color, the likelihood is they got stressed by water, okay? We've been very dry. I can't stress this enough. Grab the hose after, after we're done with the show and go out and water. If there's one thing you do today, water your plants, okay? I actually spent about an hour and a half the other night watering all of my plants in my yard. I actually went out and planted two or three new perennials that I wanted to put in the ground. They've been sitting in the garage for a couple days, and I said, you know what? It's the perfect evening. It's nice and cool. I'm going to go ahead and plunk them in the ground. And when I dug those holes, I went, oh, my gosh. You know, eight inches down, there was no moisture. So I grabbed the hose, and I watered everything, okay? And so if you're showing signs of any yellowing on shrubs, any, you know, wilting or dying plants, you know, with your perennials, um, visiting a customer yesterday, same example. Many, many things not quite to the point of wilt, but really close. The ground was so dry, you know, even the bark mulch was very, very dry. So that bark mulch is ready to absorb the water. If you have neutral mulch, it will release some of that, you know, fertilizer that's in that, activate it, you know, get that yeah, that microbes going again. So get some nice water down on your beds. Uh, I can't stress it enough. Um, I had a lovely gentleman that called uh, this past week, and he uh, he basically hadn't been watering for about three weeks, you know, and 
let's face it, folks, we had a lot of rain in, in June. But this is August. This is, we're going late August now. It's really been four to six weeks since we've had really any large amount of rain. You know, we had some in July, but we had a lot of heat. So I can't stress enough, get out there and water. And my suggestion is maybe water three times this week, even on established plants. Now, if we all start watering, it'll start raining again. If we don't, it won't. That's always my rule of thumb when it comes to plants in the garden center, is if we don't irrigate because, you know, Mr. Coupo said it's going to rain, it won't rain. Okay, so I always keep the irrigation on, you know, thinking it's not going to rain, and then we get good help from Mother Nature. So get out there and water. I could beat this to death for hours. Um, but if you have questions, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're going to be talking with, uh, we're going to be talking with Ed Gardner from Ocean Gate Realty today. Um, and he is the president of the Greater Portland Board of Realtors. We're going to be talking a little bit today about what you need to do to get your house ready to sell it. What type of, uh, return on investment you know, you get when you make a great landscape. How stonework affects the price of your home, what curb appeal does for you. And for me, I am always a proponent of doing something so that you're going to get your money back, okay? So whenever customers are coming into the garden center, if you're looking to kind of decorate your home or be in a situation where you want Everybody wants their home to look great, but sometimes we go overboard too. So there is a rate of return when it comes to landscaping. Now, if you enjoy it for 10 or 15 years, it doesn't matter what you spend because in my mind, that's peace of mind. You're enjoying your environment. You're loving it. But for many people, a home is partly a big investment. And if you don't put anything into curb appeal, you don't put anything into you know, making an outdoor living space like a patio with plants around it that has a hot tub that, you know, has a nice built-in kitchen out there. Maybe it's just a standalone grill, but an outdoor room, you know, a living space outdoors that when a customer comes to buy your home at some day, they go, wow, I can see myself sitting here. I can see myself with the fire pit. I can see myself, you know, kind of enjoying a nice cocktail here. I can see the kids running out on the lawn. That's the environment that we want to provide to a customer. And if you're getting ready to list your house, we're going to talk about the things that you should do to clean up, to make things look good and presentable as soon as a customer drives in your driveway. And the first impression, you can't get better than that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine at MaineIGC.com. Do you have planting insurance? 
You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The Secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen. But what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference and save big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. And uh, another beautiful Saturday morning. A little dry out there like we talked in the first few minutes here of the show. But we can take care of that. We can just go ahead and give a good drink to all those lovely plants out there. But let's talk a little bit about another few things you can do this fall to kind of get prepared. Uh, so we're not kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to October. And, you know... Now is the time you can start dividing a lot of your perennials. So we talked a little bit, you know, about how you can go ahead and cut things back. But now you also can start lifting your plants. You can start dividing them and moving them around. Okay, uh, it's a perfect time to start thinking about prepping all your garden beds. You know, so if you want to do a new area and you really don't want to plant this fall, prep the beds now. So go ahead, you know, maybe go in, kill the weeds, you know, add the compost, rototill the area, get it all ready. You could even mulch it this fall so that next spring, you know, if there are things you want to add that aren't available this fall, you'll be all ready to go. The work will be done. It'll be just one of those situations where you'll be ahead of the game. If you want to prep your garden, you know, your vegetable garden, now's a great time to prep that bed Get a cover crop down like we talked last week, uh, you know, with Johnny Seeds. Uh, you know, go ahead and get that ground ready. That's something I'm going to be focusing on and getting that vegetable garden ready so I'm not behind the eight ball like I was this spring. My garden is looking amazing, though. 
Um, we've got wonderful tomatoes we're harvesting. We've got great lettuce. Uh, the summer squash and zucchini really are coming on. The beans are all starting to really show up and, and flower heavily, so we're starting to set fruit there. Um, you know, the lettuce just has been awesome. There's nothing better than fresh lettuce this time of year. Um, and with the cooler temperatures, it's really thriving. The cucumbers are starting to bloom. You know, I got going really late. So we're going to have a great crop of late cucumbers. Our peppers, they're not doing so great. Um, that's one thing that I've really struggled with. And I didn't have the best plants to put in to start. They were kind of past the point of return. They had a lot of fruit set on them. We had a pretty good harvest, you know, for the first two or three weeks. But I think, you know, anytime you plant peppers fairly late, if they have a lot of fruit on them, you know, we picked off the fruit fairly quickly, but they really just didn't have enough time to get a lot of root system to support fruit. So, you know, the peppers have struggled a little bit, but boy, the cilantro and the basil and the chives and the rosemary and the mint, you know, all the herbs have done amazing. And we've been enjoying those, you know, all summer long here. So, you know, like we talked with Johnny's, you know, now's the time to think about getting in some of those late crops, your lettuce, your spinach, maybe some late radishes, beets for beet greens. So you still have time. Swiss chard's another good one um, to get a fall crop. So if you have some vegetables in your garden that are not doing well, think about harvesting all of the material. If the plants are passe, go ahead, pull all the plants. You know, say your your um, cucumber plants have produced really well, but they look awful. They've got powdery mildew. You know, they're just not producing like they would. Rip them all out. Do it today and plant some new seeds. Okay, turn that gar- garden over. Maybe add a little compost just for some uh, organic matter and then seed in some new stuff for fall. Just make the call. At this point, there's plenty of fresh cucumbers that you can buy at local farmer's markets. Uh, you know, So it's an effective way to kind of get some stuff going for later on in the season. So don't hesitate. You know, Make that transition. But prep your beds. You know, anything you can do now to go ahead and get your weeds down, go ahead and, you know, prep a new area. If you're thinking about doing some fall planting, now's a great time. We've just received a bunch of fresh material, trees, shrubs, perennials, a whole bunch of things have just come into the into the stores. We're building inventory for fall now. If you're looking for specific things, we we still have time to order things for you. So, you know, certainly I would say go ahead, get into the garden center and start talking to us. When you come in mid-September or late September, it's going to be tough for us to order for you. So, you know, important that we get on going. I think we're having a problem um, out there if you're trying to log on to the website to to listen. I think we're probably having a little bit of technical difficulties right now. We're trying to get that straightened out. Um, but if you're trying to log on because you can't listen on the radio, uh, that might be a problem. I know we just sent out an email um, showing you how to do that. If you're on our email newsletter, you can subscribe to that at estabrooksonline.com. And typically, you can listen to us at wlobradio.com or... Or pick up our podcast. That's a great way. We have a lot of customers that love to listen to the podcast and listen to it on your time frame. You know, so you don't have to get up early. Hopefully, you get the cup of coffee going. Um, I've had mine. I'm ready to go. Um, but let's take a let's do a question 
because um, we always get great questions submitted. So this is from Travis from Portland. I ordered some bare root trees mail order. They came and the directions are really poor. I've done some work online, you know, but can you give me some general terms of how I should get them planted? So um, Travis basically said that he received them Friday, so he sent me this email yesterday. Um, great situation. You know, we're, we're right in that time frame. First thing is whenever you buy bare root plants, um, usually they're on the small side. They're not terribly, you know, well-established. So the first thing we want to do is make sure those roots stay good and moist. So typically they're packed with some sort of packing around the roots. The first thing I would recommend is you go ahead and get them moist. Maybe stick them in a bucket uh, for a little bit, get them moist. Uh, You know, always important to kind of first off start there. Then we need a hole that's at least twice as wide as the roots. No really, not really deeper than the roots. We want a fairly shallow hole. And then the first thing I would do is in this time of year is fill up that hole with water a couple times and let it saturate down below so that the ground below where you're planting is really, really moist. Okay. And then we're going to go ahead and set that tree at the proper level. And, you know, if you're not quite sure on what level you should go more shallow than deep. We can always add and berm soil on top, but you should have three or four inches of soil on top of those roots typically. And, you know, depending on the plants, you know, you will kind of see a root flare of some sort, and that's usually the level, okay? Air on the side of being a little high because you're probably going to put bark mulch and other soil around this tree down the road. So once we get the tree kind of set in there, tamp the roots down in there, and then add some soil and give another drink. And then with bare root trees, I always recommend you stake them, especially you know planting later on in the season. Um, important that you go ahead and make sure that we've got plenty of moisture, but also that the tree is good and stable because we're not going to put on a ton of root system at this point. I'm sure the trees probably have, you know, maybe even a few leaves left at this point, but bare root trees, you know, I'm not sure where you got them from or what they are. Maybe they're something that goes dormant very early, but if you're thinking about doing bare root trees, it's a great, great way to establish trees. It was what we all used to do years and years ago. Okay. Now there are more, many more plants that are available in pots that we can plant throughout the season. So, you know, the bare root, then it's very crucial, light waterings very consistently, okay? So, you know, every other day, giving a good drink. Not a bad idea to miss down the top of the tree periodically, you know, just to help with bud swelling and the tree to get absorbed moisture through the stems where they've been dug up and been out of the ground. Not only are the roots dry, but maybe soak the tops. So every, when you water your plants, go ahead, spray down the tops. You know, if you have questions, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. So bare root trees, great way to go. Um, don't hesitate to uh, give us a call if you have a question. Um, with, with bare root trees, the biggest thing is water. The second thing is I would always use a root stimulator. So biotone, so once we go ahead, we get all that nice organic matter, we added some compost, we backfilled the tree, everything's kind of set, we put some nice bark mulch around, make sure and work in some biotone. You know, that mycorrhizae will help 
build a strong fibrous root system. It'll keep the root system more compact. You'll get a lot more fine feeder roots rather than big roots. And what will happen is your tree will suck up more moisture in every rainstorm and be much healthier for the life of the tree. So Travis, great question. It's one that uh, bare root trees are kind of not that common anymore. Uh, if you're ordering bare root trees, make sure it's from a reputable, reputable supplier, and it's a great way to save, but you need to buy in volume usually. You can't buy one or two. You usually have to buy multiples of five or whatnot, but there are many companies online that do a great job with bare root trees. It's just you have to be a lot more diligent about water. When you buy a container with an established root system on it, it won't take as much water. Okay, and the water stress won't be as much of an issue. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen, but what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference in Save Big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. To the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. If you have any questions, give us a call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're having a few technical difficulties if you're trying to log on on the website to listen to us this morning, but we're working on it. Um, We've got some some questions here, and uh, this is from John from Falmouth. My limelight hydrangea leaves are yellowing. What is the problem? Should I fertilize? Okay. This has been a common question over the last week in the garden center. Many people calling about their hydrangeas, uh, you know, interior leaves yellowing, uh, and also just kind of not doing that well. Um, we had a lot of heat last week, and, you know, luckily it's just break breaking now and beautiful weather. But the big thing is it's water stress. Okay, John? Um, I don't want to fertilize, and I want to talk a little bit about fertilization at this point in the season. We're pretty much done fertilizing for a little bit here. Unless you have annuals, 
and then we're fertilizing all the time. But for our tree shrubs and perennials, this is the time of year when they're starting to kind of think about going dormant. They're starting to put energy back into their root system. They're not growing as much. So if you're seeing stress, fertilizer is not your answer at this point. Okay, I want to restress that. Fertilizer is not the answer at this point. We don't want to push the plants to grow at this point in the season. We want them to start to slow down. And for our harsh main winters, we want the plants to start thinking about going to seed, going dormant. So now is the time, like on your butterfly bush, stop deadheading them. Let them flower and go to seed. Now is the time for your blue hydrangea. Don't deadhead them anymore. You know, if you have endless summer that keeps throwing blossoms, stop deadheading them. You know, all of those perennials, you know, if you want to cut some for for cut flowers, it's not a bad thing. You know, you're taking energy away from them, but you're also giving them energy back to the root system. They're going to build more foliage, and they're going to actually produce more energy back to into that root system. So what we're looking for right now is strictly water. So your limelight hydrangea is showing the signs of water stress. That wilting or yellowing leaves in the center of the plant is usually a clear sign. The other sign is wilting and or orange or red leaves. You know, some leaves show fall color orange-red, some are more on the orange-green. Limelight is one of those that's more on the orange-green. So you're starting to see fall stress or water stress showing up on your limelight hydrangea. You're probably also seeing some scorch on the blossoms because of the hot weather from last week. So this kind of leads me to water, okay? And it's a common theme this week, you know, because a lot of the problems that were are showing up are water-based, okay? So, you know, limelight hydrangea is one that takes a lot of water due to the fact that those blossoms are so big, you know, and it's constantly taking moisture out of the ground in order to, you know, really thrive, Okay, if the blossoms are getting some little black tips on them, and it's tough for us in the garden center to keep water in these plants. We water them two to three times a day. We try to keep them happy. If you come into the garden center and you see some yellow leaves on the interior of some of the hydrangeas, that's just water stress, and it's common. There's, You haven't really done anything wrong, John, but in order to alleviate that next year, once a week giving those hydrangeas a bit of water will just keep them happy. Once they're established, you can just get, you know, once a week go out and really give them a good drink. Your flowers are going to stay longer and your color is going to be better. And then the fall color on hydrangeas with the nice dried out flowers up top, to me, that's a really nice look. So I like, I use that plant as that orange yellow fall color in the yard. And, you know, the better you are about water, the longer the leaves are going to stay and the better the fall color. So I hope that helps, John. Um, You know, a lot of water stress out there. Here's another question. This is from Michelle from Cumberland. And my ornamental grasses brown up every year. I have sandy soil, and I feel like that I water enough. What am I doing wrong? I have miscanthus and penicetum. So fall grasses, I have some big miscanthus floridus in my yard. They're about 8 feet tall. And I saw some signs of them starting to brown up last week also. So, again, same thing. It's water stress. Um, grasses do extremely well, but if they're on the dry side, and it, and it says here you have sandy soil, 
I think you need to water more in the summer months, okay? July and August before they start to plume, um, you know, make sure and get some extra water. My suggestion is you might think about planting some annuals close by that you have to water, water more often, okay? And if those annuals are wilting, you know the grasses are getting dry, okay? So I like to use annuals a lot of time as water indicators. So if you have specific plants, like I have some perennial hibiscus, in my garden, and they're beautiful right now. Those big, dark red dinner plate, you know, uh, flowers, absolutely stunning. But planting a few annuals around them helps me keep the moisture they need in check. Okay, so you know, by having to water those annuals, you know, I also water the hibiscus at that point. Okay, and it's a really great, great way to make sure that we're getting enough moisture at the right time of year. So you might use, you know, something that wilts fairly easy around your grasses. Maybe it's um, coleus might be a good one that wilts fairly easy. Um, Impatience are another one that wilt fairly easy. So use some of those indicator plants to make sure that you're in good shape. Okay. So, you know, Michelle, you haven't done anything wrong, but because you've had this problem year after year, you know, adding some extra organic matter around them like compost might hold a little more moisture too, Um, you know, but I think more than anything, it's just really water-based. The next question is from Stacy, and she's from Gardner, and it's my magnolia has a black sticky substance on the stems and leaves. What is this? Okay, magnolias. We've we've had a problem with scale on magnolias. Okay, so the black is actually a secondary problem. It's sooty mold or sooty, sooty mildew. Okay, so I want everybody to go out and check their magnolias. You will on the stems see some small bumps. They can be gray. They can sometimes be clear. Sometimes they can be even you know a reddish color. But scale is becoming a big, big problem on magnolias. So I want to make sure everybody goes out and checks your magnolia because now is the time we want to know if we have a problem. Magnolias will have blackening, which is the secondary problem to scale. Now, this sooty sooty mildew, it's nasty. It's all sticky. The leaves are all sticky. You get these black stems. But if we get rid of the problem, we can get rid of the mildew, okay? Okay. So scale is the problem, Stacy, and what we're going to do is we're going to wait until the magnolia drops all of its leaves, okay, at this point. Now, at this point, it's really too late to use a systemic, and so I don't really want to treat it, but we're going to let the magnolia do its fall thing. If you can, go out and water it a couple times. That'll help with stress, but then let the leaves all fall, and then what I want to do is bag all those leaves and get them off your property. Okay, I want to get them to a recycling facility or, a, you know, put them in the trash, whatever you've got to do. But let's get that insect away. Now, the insect's still going to be there because it's going to be on the actual stems too. It's on the leaves and the stems. So we took the leaves and the leaves are gone. So now we're going to spray with a dormant oil. Okay, now a lot of times you'll see an oil, a horticultural oil listed as dormant and just as horticultural oil. It's really just two different rates. We're going to spray this plant after the leaves drop in the fall when the temperatures are nicely above freezing, and we're going to go ahead and coat all the stems with this horticultural oil. And what this will do is we want to use a dormant rate 
because the plant has no leaves on it and it's going to smother the scale on the stems. Now we really need to kind of spray that until the the oil is kind of almost dripping off all the stems. You really need good coverage. And then next spring we're going to do the same thing before it leaves out and then we're going to put some systemic in also. It's a very tough insect to clean up but one that you have to be diligent about and then also year in and year out kind of just inspect the plant. If it's not a sentimental plant and it's a fairly young plant, you may look to replace it if you don't want to go through all those troubles. But magnolia seems to be having a lot more problems. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host on this lovely Saturday morning. Been talking a lot about getting ready. It's getting ready for fall. Getting ready for uh, you know that next season that's coming, the wonderful fall season. Talking about a lot, a lot of water stress. Uh, questions primarily seem to be water related right now. Um, not a ton of insects that seem to be a big issue. Not a lot of disease problems out there, but. Uh, you know, we're starting to see the signs of fall, okay? Whether we want to admit it or not, we're going to hold on to summer as long as we can, but it's time to start planning. It's time to start thinking about the next phase. And we're going to be talking with here with Ed Gardner from Ocean Gate Realty, and uh, he is president of the Garden, the Greater Portland Board of Realtors. Ed, good morning. 
Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm fine this beautiful Saturday morning. I know. Any open houses today? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. Going on. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a busy time for us, wrapping up the summertime. Absolutely. I'm sure everybody's looking to get that nice vacation home here in Maine or a uh, new home before the uh, winter spell comes and have to move in the middle of winter is never a fun thing. Absolutely. That's the task at hand for this fall. So yeah. t- today we want to talk a little bit about from a realtor standpoint, what we need to kind of do to get our home ready to either show it, put it on the market, you know, or what a prospective kind of buyers look for. So I guess my first question is, what, sh- what should we consider when putting their house on, on the market, you know, as far as investment in your landscape? Well, sellers, when they, when they start this process, they really need to inventory their home um, and then they need to consider to stage it to look its best mm-hmm. and create a, a natural and inviting feel to a buyer. The buyers are always drawn into the potential of a home. Um, many properties have lost their appeal because this task isn't done, mm-hmm. and they miss the opportunity for interest in showings. Um, yeah, so the first thing, you need, to, you need to stage it, whether inside or out. It needs to look its best for a buyer, so a buyer can when they walk through that door or walk up to the curb, they can imagine themselves living at this place. There's, there's, let's face it, many buyers have no imagination. You know, they really can't see. So that first impression makes a world of difference. Absolutely. We, I think we're all a bit um, work on impulsiveness. <laughs> and first impressions always make a difference. So it's the first 10 seconds on the outside and probably the first 20 seconds on the inside that a buyer is going to make up their mind whether they have interest there Mm -hmm. or they want to move on to somewhere else. Yeah, I think, think, you know, from a landscape perspective, you know, really it's more about decorating. You know, you can have great bones as far as nice shrubs, a nice walk or whatnot, but that little punch of color, you know, a hanging basket, a nice patio pot, you know, a, a nice chair, you know, even with a little side table that's got a wine glass on it. You know, things like that just set up an idea in a buyer's head, and it's very simple. It's very inexpensive. That's right. That's right. A little bit goes a long way on the outside and curb appeal of a home. You know, simple as, as even putting, you know, um, you know, re surfacing your driveway, you know, just with, with some nice resurface, you know, mulching your beds, um, you know, cleaning up the edges, weeding. Um, you know, more often than not, customers come into the garden center and they're like, you know, I want to rip all of this out. I want to do all of this. You don't necessarily good pruning a year before or two years before you're getting ready to put your house on the market. So if you're thinking about selling, you know, you might start talking to a realtor a year or two out saying, hey, what do I need to do to get this in the best shape to put it on the market? That's right. Exactly. You don't have to spend a fortune, but as long as a buyer knows that the property is cared for, that's the big, that's the big answer here, I think. Um, if you're walking into a junkyard filled with dead plants and um, things that have looked like they've been there for years, the buyer thinks, this seller doesn't care. They mm-hmm. don't care about the outside. They probably don't care about the inside. Yeah, and they're thinking, I've got to replace all this landscaping. That's and right. how much money is this going to cost me? Exactly. And, you know, so that kind of leads me into, you know, my next question. How does a landscape affect the pricing 
and the curb appeal of a home when a buyer first drives up? Well, I've always thought that the landscape of a home is like the frame of a painting. Whether it's fussy or simple, it complements and it really represents the home in lots of ways. Um, the way I see it, if the yard looks well cared for, like I said, usually the houses as well, if it's cluttered, um, junk and unentertained items in the yard, I think the buyer just visualizes the inside of the house is going to look the same. I think curb appeal is the most important thing mm-hmm. that you can do to your market to your uh, market your house for sale. And when it's done right, I think you can actually sell the property before the house is even uh, looked at in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the yield is a better profit in the end for the for the seller. And I think the buyer then is a bit easier on the seller when it comes to home inspections. They can see the curb appeal is nice. It's got a good fresh feel. It's a winner. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've I've bought a couple, two or three homes in in my life at this point, and you know, I'm one that can see through that because that's what I do is outside. I I, you know, I landscape homes. You know, I can see past the weeds and and the junk. And the and the last home I bought was a short sale, and they hadn't mowed the lawn in you know many many months, and the landscape was overgrown, and you know, but for me that wasn't the priority. Um, but what I did look at, look at was have the decks been maintained, you know, so were they stained and they weren't. And I said, okay, well that's another portion off of the bill, you know, uh, have, have they cleaned and made sure that the, the property is in, in good shape? Did they paint well? You know, so all of these things kind of, you know, set yourself up as a buyer you know, and you just kind of tick them off. Okay, there's another $5,000. There's another $3,000. Um, exactly. You know, so like you said, when you go to inspection, you're looking for more, you know, than you are, oh, this house is great. <laughs> exactly, yes. But if it looks cared for on the outside, there's some organization, less confusion for a buyer to sift through mentally when they're that first 10 seconds on the outside. It usually means a better showing on the inside. Yeah, and and I'm of the philosophy that more landscaping is not necessarily always better when it comes to selling your home. Um, you know, you don't want to set yourself up where a customer feels like they're going to have too much to maintain also. So right. there's got to be a fine line for that, correct? That's right, yes. Everybody likes plantings and good landscaping. But when you create a new job for a buyer, that's a whole different story. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the last thing you want to do is make a buyer feel like they have to come home and garden every day. Um, right. You want the, the property to look good, so, you know, but at the same point, you want it to be fairly low maintenance. And let's face it, you know, many, many, many of our buyers nowadays don't have the time. Um, you know, so it's very important that we go ahead and, and make sure um, it's a low maintenance situation. That's right. Yeah. Ed, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes here. So we're going to do another quick question here, and then we'll kind of, you know, I'm going to take a break, and then we'll come back after the break. Um, You know, how much, you know, what's the return on investment, you know, that a potential homeowner can expect if they do just a nice walkway? Well, I think, yeah, it depends on the situation at hand. I think if the yard or walkway is just in need of filling pots and to stage the outside because maybe you had some work done in the beginning, 
your investment pays off many, many times over. Mm-hmm. If the task is a brand new walkway or a deck or a new landscape redo, it usually will come back dollar for dollar in some cases. Um, buyers are shopping for homes. The exterior can be as important as the interior. Mm-hmm. Um, for myself, when I'm looking for a home with a buyer, of course, the first thing I notice is the landscaping. It's that frame of the home. But that, <clears throat> the, one, the walkway is leading to the front door. That's the inviting factor of the house. If it's confused, if a buyer can't make their way to the walkway in a friendly manner, it's got a little cloudiness there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that, that needs to be fresh and inviting. Absolutely. You know, it seems to me that, you know, just that little bit of impact, you know, can take away from maybe a walkway that's not perfect. You know, you just have some nice flowers and they're looking at the color. They're looking at the things that are absolutely amazing. So we're talking with Ed Gardner from Ocean Gate Realty, president of the Greater Portland Board of Realtors. We're going to have Ed back after this break. Um, You know, I want to stress to everyone that curb appeal is always something that when you're going into a garden center and you're talking to us, we're thinking low maintenance. We're thinking, how can you keep this looking good? And then always a question I tend to throw in there is, you know, are you planning on selling the home? You know, what time of year? A well-balanced landscape across the board you know, do you think you might put the the landscape on sale first thing in the spring? We'll wait the flowers towards early spring, okay, so that you've got good color when you go ahead to put your house on the market. We'll be back with more from the joy of gardening after this quick break on News Talk WLOB. you go to talk over the important news issues of the day and also the place for business information and talk beginning at 5 30 a.m every hour at the 30 mark there's useful business information from the fox business channel 24 7 we're here with a helping hand and the information you can use money in business talk yes all on news talk wlob and wlobradio.com Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. And we are talking with Ed Gardner from Ocean Gate Realty, president of the Greater Portland Board of Realtors. Ed, welcome back. Good morning, Tom. And we were talking before the break there about return on investment, and you you hit the nail on the head. There are not many things in a home that you're going to spend $1 and get another dollar back. Am I correct in saying that? Absolutely. You know, I think even kitchens and bathrooms and all of those fun things we, we love, but landscaping always has a great return. Mm-hmm. Now, there's got to be a rate at which that kind of tips, though. You know, there's got to be a certain investment for the size home and type of home before you kind of tip over and your return on investment kind of, you know, doesn't jive one-to-one. Right. What's the general rule of thumb of what people should think about when they're landscaping as far as an investment? Well, I think sellers should always maximize the look of their exterior of their property, mm-hmm. um, either with plantings or garden areas, whether it be shrubbery, herbs, or flowers. 
I think porch pots, yard pots, and planters always need to be filled with greenery or color or something to give life to the to the property. Um, you can't skimp on that budget, whatever it is, because you've got one shot with a buyer to draw them in with the curb appeal. And if you don't have it, <clears throat> they're going to pass it by. I think, Tom, I've always thought flowers are like ice cream. It just makes people feel happy and good. Mm-hmm. When I'm in a nursery picking out plants or flowers in the springtime, I'm seeing everybody with smiles on their faces when they're planting things in their yard. I don't know if they really care about the budget that much, but right. the end result is just, um, I, I think, more than the dollars that they're going to spend at their nursery. Yeah. I, from from my perspective, you know, someone who's doing a spec home or something like that, budget's always the number one concern. But when you live in a home for 10 or, or 15 or 20 years or 30 years, it's really creating your environment and setting yourself up for that environment that someone else can see themselves in. So are you finding that, you know, fire pits and, you know, patios and outdoor kitchens, is that a a more common theme that customers who are coming to look at homes, are they looking at at those types of things saying, wow, this is really a great addition? Depends on the property. Um, If you've got a home that's fairly large, we'll say probably 2,500 square feet or over, Mm -hmm. and servicing a family of five or above, the outside can be as important as the inside. You can create a whole different room or atmosphere outside that you're going to live in four or five months out of the year. Mm -hmm. So if you install a um, fire pit or do some hardscaping outside that creates an extra living environment, absolutely, that Mm -hmm. gives a whole other value. Um, you can talk about thirty to 40000 per room on the interior, and you can probably almost comp that out to an exterior living area. I love the sounds of that. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> let's face it, if you're doing that type of outdoor room, you're going to be investing 20 thousand. That's for sure. You, you can, certainly. Uh, you can go a little bit further if you have the landscape to work with it. You can add a waterfall in or mm. a, a beautiful little pond or um, create a whole... The, the opportunities are endless if you have the land and the budget. Um, but all in all, you're going to enjoy it in the end. And certainly, when you're doing this, you're thinking about resale. You're installing this value into your house, and chances are you're going to get it back dollar for dollar in the end. Yeah, I usually try to explain to people... If you're planning on staying there for a while, do some of these things early on because you get to enjoy them for five or eight or ten years before you know maybe the kids are getting out out of school and and, uh, you're going to be downsizing or whatnot. But you get to enjoy them for that eight or ten years. As long as you maintain them and keep them looking good, the return on investment is going to be there for a very long time. That's right. Luckily, stone doesn't die. Right. <laughs> Plants are a little more work, but stone, you know, always, you know, it looks good as long as you clean it and maintain it. Um, you know, we had M- Mike Story from MJ Story Landscaping on a couple weeks ago, and he has a cleaning process also to bring stone back to, you know, almost brand new look to it. And, uh, you know, that to me, from a real estate standpoint, would be a very wise investment. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be expensive, like we said earlier. Um, You might even have this hardscape in your lawn. I remember years ago selling a property to a buyer 
And he said, there's no front walkway. We're, we've got to install a front walkway. Well, it was hiding underneath the grass and the, and the trash on the lawn. They dug it up, and it was a beautiful hardscape. Mm. So sometimes that hardscape's already there. You just got to uncover it and enhance it. That kind of brings me into my next question. How important is a nice lawn when it comes to that curb appeal, you know? <laughs> well, another uh, um, thing that I think of is lawns are like haircuts, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> An uncared hairstyle tells me that the person maybe just doesn't care. Um, the same with a lawn. To me, it speaks volumes to a buyer looking at a property. Uh, and, and mulching is um, like an ice cream sundae. It's whipped cream on an ice cream sundae. It's that little detail that makes the edging of a lawn or garden stand out and say, I'm cared for. And with that, a buyer's drawn in to say, well, I want to buy a house that's cared for. Yeah, it's the same thing if you have a rental property. You know, if you're showing a rental property and the beds are we have weeds all through them and there's no mul- no fresh mulch, I have a couple rental properties. And, uh, you know, all you got to do is just clean up and mulch. And all of a sudden, people kind of go, wow, this this owner takes care of their property. It's clean of weeds. Things look good. They're going to be a great landlord. That's right. Because there is a pride of home, whether you're a tenant or an owner, when you're driving into your yard, that's your castle. And if it's nicely landscaped, that frame of the exterior, as we called it, the landscaping, Mm -hmm. looks good, you feel good. When you're inviting people in, your home is a true reflection of yourself. Yeah, mulch is the most simple and cost-effective thing for anybody to do. Get rid of the weeds, mulch, maybe freshen up the drip edges, you know, put a couple hanging baskets on the on the uh, porch, throw a patio pot on the step, and for, you know, $400, your house looks like a million bucks. It's amazing what mulch can do. At, as you said, at low budget, it just changes the, the whole... Um, Again, the landscape, it just kind of edges. The detail looks fabulous, and it makes the plants stand out. Mm-hmm. They're not confused now with the weeds or, or grass or, or other plantings in there. They just kind of pop, don't they, with mulch. Color, color, color. You know, um, you know, for a small investment, you can you can really make a big difference. And let's face it, you know, that first impression, as we've talked about, you know, is the biggest thing. So, you know, to kind of wrap up what we've kind of been talking about a little bit, let's kind of take a different stance here. Tell me a little bit about what a customer should do when they're trying to figure out a real estate broker that they want to work with. On the seller side, yep. I think you need to look at the whole picture here. I think real estate agents are trained through their buyers and sellers as to what, what, hap- what, what makes the property sell. Um, we all know about staging on the inside of a house. If a house is cluttered or not taken care of, if it's old and dated, it's probably going to have a chance of selling much longer on the market than something that's cared for. Um, of course, we have contractors and investors that look for properties like this, but they're going to be on the low end of the spectrum when mm-hmm. making an offer. A real estate agent is trained nowadays to be able to help their sellers, especially in this volatile market where you have maybe more inventory than you should when you're competing against another home seller. But you've got to look at the, um, um, the whole picture here. What's your competition? What's mm-hmm. the neighborhood look like? Is there, um, 
is there a property even across the street? We did something a couple of years ago where we had a fabulous property on the market, but the neighbor's property needed help. So we actually helped the neighbor's property look a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So the buyer is going to come in and look to a 360 in the yard and say, what am I looking at every day? Mm. Yeah, as are. they're leaving the house, they look across the street, and it spoils everything you've done. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. We've, um, I had a buyer just a few weeks ago. Um, we approached the home we were scheduled to see, and we noted how lovely the neighbor's homes were. But specifically, it wasn't the houses that looked great, but it was the yards, that the, and the care that the homeowners in those certain yards they took care of. That buyer said, I want to live here. I want to live in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we let him know that you're investing in a neighborhood that's cared for. It's established. And now he calls us that place his home. Yeah, a little bit of competition between neighbors on the on the way their homes look never is really a bad thing. You know, keeping up with the Joneses isn't isn't all that bad. No, no. At the Greater Portland Board of Realtors, we write an article every spring to help our agents maybe um, encourage them to go to their local vendor, their landscape um, outlets, and look at the different varieties of plants and things so they can go back to their sellers to say that vacant yard there. Why don't you just pop in a little azalea bush or mm-hmm. plant some tulips in the spring, uh, in the fall, ready for spring color? Um, the hanging baskets are such a... a an inexpensive way to go you can i don't know a couple hundred dollars you can really transform the look and uh feel giving that curb appeal to your property when it's ready to sell you brought up a great point because now is the time to do a lot of this work for someone who wants to put their property on the market in say april or may they can get a big jump start on planting some things now and coming in to visit an independent garden center that, you know, we can focus on things that are going to bloom in the peak, you know, of when they want to put their house on the market. So say it's May or June, they can get maybe a little bit better deal on putting some things in this fall. And they also can kind of set themselves up for peak blossoming right at that time. So if, the, you know, a client is thinking about putting their house on the market next spring, you know, maybe it's time you think about talking to a realtor now and finding out what you need to do. Absolutely, because it is fall for planting, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. You know, plants root wonderfully in the fall. And so the great part about it is you don't have to water as much, and, you know, you're going to get very strong blooms for next spring. And let's face it, here in Maine, probably what, May and June are the key months for most people to put their homes on the market? It is. You know, uh, we're getting into that time frame when, you know, the weather is getting good. People are thinking about moving. We've got a lot of tourism coming into the state. So, you know, we always kind of tend to put, you know, our plantings to bloom in that time frame. They look the best. So, you know, get that mulching done this fall even, um, you know, so that you have less to do in the spring. And is it now we're going to want to plant those tulip bulbs and prune Mm. those trees and shrubs and flowers, flowering shrubs? Absolutely. You know, a lot of things should be pruned now, you know, so that they're going to have better blooms. You know, we talked about earlier, you know, all that material that blooms on new growth is what you can prune now. Now, obviously, your rhododendrons and some of the things that lilacs, we don't want to prune those now because they already have set flower buds for next year. But what we can do is have a plan of what we need to prune, you know, right after blossoms so that um, you know, we're getting things in check. And maybe some things we're going to sacrifice the blossom, 
you know, because they need to be pruned in order to look shapely and look nice for prospective buyers. So we may just say, you know what, we can add some pansies, we can add some tulips that are going to be in bloom, but this azalea, we're going to cut it back you know, so that it looks good for next year. Now, that's a poor example of a plant I would cut at this time of year, but maybe the lilac needs to be pruned, and we're not going to worry about it flowering. We're going to more worry about the shape and how it looks. Because it's cared for, and it looks like it's organized in the spring for Mm -hmm. that buyer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could, could be simple as cleaning up the old wood pile that's in the back corner, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Or putting a coat of paint on that shed that hasn't seen it in 20 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All of it helps frame the house. But I, I, I do think, and I've always thought with my properties, sellers and also buyers, the landscaping truly is the frame of the house. That's going to give it its curb appeal. Whether selling or not, that buyer and seller is going to enjoy that house in years to come when they look through their windows out to the exterior. Absolutely. You know, you you can basically say the house is a canvas and how you decorate it and how you plant around it and what you make of it is how the picture actually turns out. Most of the time, you're going to spend less outside and get the biggest impact than you will on the inside. Yeah, that darn inside stuff's expensive. It can be expensive, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Well, Ed, I appreciate you being on. Um, I hope we can have you on again. Uh, Ed Gardner from Ocean Gate Realty, president of the Greater Portland Board of Realtors. Thanks a lot, Ed. Well, thank you very much, Tom, and have a wonderful day. All right, get out there and sell, will you? Will do. All right, (laughs) thanks. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen but what are you really getting scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden august bargain days at estabrooks features big beautiful and healthy plants that have been cared for and in many cases grown by the talented staff all at a fraction of the price all plants are now 20 to 75 percent off at estabrooks in yarmouth scarborough and kennebunk see the difference in save big today to learn more visit estabrooksonline.com estabrooks for the joy of gardening Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. 
Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estbrooks. I'm Tom Estbrook. On this lovely Saturday morning, boy, blue sky out there, low humidity. A little bit warm this past week, but just an amazing weather pattern we're in. Uh, You know, it's gardening weather, folks. You know, it's time to start thinking about picking apples. You know, the apple orchards have all started to open up. The early season stuff is kind of coming in. The corn is amazing right now. You know, native corn, you know, I like corn when it's young. I don't like what, you know, cattle corn, that big, huge, you know, you pop into it. I like young, nice native corn, and this is the perfect time of year for that. Um, You know, let's talk a little bit about what Ed had to say. If you invest $1 in your landscaping, you get a $1 return. Did you? Did everybody hear that? So their masses will be running to the garden centers today. But, you know, a kitchen or a bathroom done right will get that same return. A beautiful patio with an outdoor kitchen will get that same return. A simple tree planted in the front yard will get that return. Beautiful mulching will get that return. Making sure your weeds are under control will get that return. So when you look at your landscaping, the nice part about a landscape that I think is that you can do a little bit all the time and it builds. Okay, so you don't have to have the big budget and spend $25,000 in one year. You can spend $500, $1,000, $5,000 here, and then a few years later you can do more. Now when you go to look at it and do it a bathroom, or a kitchen, you have a big project, and you have to expend all that money all at once, and then you have to have that return over some time. A landscape is something that builds. The key to success to get that return out of your landscape long-term is maintenance. If there's one area that we're not good about is maintenance, pruning in a timely manner, making sure and staying on top of things, not letting things get overgrown, being ahead of the curve will make your landscape get better and better and better. If you plant a tree that's $200 now, in 10 or 15 years, it's probably an even bigger return because customers cannot buy that. They can't buy the size. They can't buy that mature look. You know, if you have a beautiful magnolia tree that blooms wonderfully in the spring when you put your house on the market, a customer can't buy that. They can't go to a store and buy a $10,000 magnolia. It could be the selling point to your home. So think about the timing of your plantings and make sure 
you know, make sure that you have good color all season. Not all homes obviously sell at one point or another, but use your seasonality in plantings to make sure your home looks the best all season. So make sure you've got nice flowering containers. Like Ed said, you know, in the winter months, make sure you stuff greens in them. You know, make sure if you've got a, a, a really poor, poor looking wall around your garage or something, put an evergreen in a pot with some flowers around the base of it. Just something to give customers an idea of, you know, it's well taken care of. And, you know, when they show up, you know, there's nice looking planters, there's nice looking window boxes. If you're getting ready to put your house on the market, refresh your annuals right now. Get some new stuff in. In two weeks, they'll look even better. And then you're going to have a wonderful looking, you know, landscape. Get that fresh mulch down. I can't expect. I can't tell you how important mulch is when you're going to sell or show a home. Like I said, you know, I have a couple rental properties and just pruning a few of the shrubs, putting down some nice mulch, making sure the area looks really good. And when the, when a, a prospective customer shows up to the house, they go, oh, wow, this is really well taken care of. You know, the paint isn't chipping off the the walls. You know, um, the brickwork and the patio is clean. There's no weeds in it. So, you know, think about all of those things when you go ahead and, and uh, you know, are getting ready to list your property. A good real estate broker is going to go ahead and give you some of these tools, but start early. You know, give yourself some time to get this in order or hire a great landscape professional to come in and do a cleanup and mulch and do a little pruning. It will definitely, you know, put a lot more buyers and prospective buyers in the mood to buy your home. So, Ed, I'd like to thank uh, Ed Gardner from uh, Ocean Gate Realty, Real, Realty and, uh, you know, president of the, um, oh gosh, I've already forgot. <laughs> Oh, it's been a long morning. Greater Portland Board of Realtors. Gosh, it's tough, tough doing this radio show thing. Um, But what I will say is, you know, work at your home. Keep it in good order. The landscape and curb appeal is the number one thing. I can't tell you how many homes I drive up to and I just go, ooh. what? There's no curb appeal here. And then you go into the backyard and it's like, wow, it's amazing beautiful patio, plantings all around, you know, nice little water feature, you know, and it's just amazing. But when you first drive up, it just kind of looks, eh, it's okay. But then all your entertaining areas and, and where you really, really, you know, do most of your entertaining looks amazing. So add some of that to the front of the house also. So, you know, a few other things we need to talk about today. And, you know, we're getting towards fall. And so it's time to start thinking about inside. I know it's beautiful outside, but I want to kind of just let everybody know we're kind of coming for full circle. Because when we started this show back in, I think it was February, oh, cold February, we were talking a lot about houseplants. We were talking a lot about problems with houseplants. Now's the time, folks, to start doing some things to your to your house plants to get them in order for winter. So, a few things we're going to talk about are how do we start getting our house plants clean? 
making sure that we don't have insects and disease problems. The simple thing to do is to add some systemic granules in the pots, okay? Let's face it. We've had the windows open. You know, those wonderful screens don't stop everything. They don't stop insects all the time. Now, those pesky house flies and mosquitoes, yes, but we're talking about mites. We're talking about things that are blown around by the air. You've got a nice fan in the house. Maybe you've got some insects that are left over from last year that have, in the summer months, the conditions aren't right. You know, we've got humidity. We've got, you know, all the conditions aren't right. And then as soon as we close all the windows, we turn on the heat and everything, all of a sudden the right conditions and the insects start to really multiply and divide. If you've taken your house plants out and put them out on the deck and, you know, they're in a nice shady spot and, you know, they're growing well, now it's time to start thinking about acclimating them to that move back inside. And the reason being is, you know, we've got unbelievable sunlight, you know, outside, and then you're going to bring them into a dark, dark house. So repotting, adding systemic granules, maybe a little bit of extra fertilizer this time of year. Um, But now's the time to start thinking about doing some things so that you're not in a rush and going, the frost is coming, the frost is coming. And then you have to pull the house plants in and you haven't done any of these types of things. And then, you know, you've got to put the systemic granules in and you've got to transplant them and you've got to do all that. So think about some of those things. Maybe you might purchase a new glazed pot for something. There's usually a lot of specials on, you know, clearance pottery is going on right now. So, you know, you might be able to buy a nice glazed pot to plant some of these into instead of waiting until, you know, October, November, when our next year's pottery comes in, you might be able to get something that would work for you interior and match up to your your kind of decor inside. So, you know, that's kind of something you might think about. The other thing inside, you know, maybe you've been doing a little bit of fairy gardening outside. And that's the other thing that we might want to start to transition. Maybe you've got a little fairy garden kind of going with the kids outside. And maybe we want to start making a retreat for those fairies to come inside for the winter. So buying a few houseplants and starting kind of a little fairy garden with the kids indoors might be a good way to say, oh, well, we're going to get, you know, the the retreat ready for the fairies to move inside when it gets cold outside. So let's kind of start putting something together. Um, in the Yarmouth store, we've got a couple really cool, um, you know, little fairy gardens that are made out of a couple broken pots. Okay, and it's a really interesting. So I want people to stop and take a look at those because I, I'm personally not that creative. But some of my staff are amazing when it comes to this type of stuff. And, you know, they really do a wonderful job of putting together kind of fun, interesting, different ideas. And everybody has a pot that they've dropped or you're going to break when you go to put your pots away. Here's an idea how to use it. You know, you use the broken pot pot, and you use a multiple level kind of pieces to make a, a multi-level garden in the container. You peel off some moss from a rock out in the back 40 and you know you add in a few of these little trinkets and and fairy type uh statuary and you know all that fun stuff and bam you've got an interior garden you put a couple little house plants in there and all of a sudden you've got this little oasis and what better to have in your kids room they can start to care for it they can water it and kind of do its thing the other thing is you might do a terrarium 
and use that as the fairy garden. So you won't have to water as often. It will add humidity to your house. Uh, but I'm already thinking about the off season. I know, isn't that my brain is kind of scheduled to be a season ahead? You know, with all of our growing and everything that we do. Um, I'm always a season ahead, and I'm always planning that season season ahead. So I hope you enjoy the fact that I'm giving you ideas for eight weeks from now because that kind of will put an idea in when you're in the garden center. You can kind of think about these things. You don't have to buy them right away. It can be something you can do in six or eight weeks, but I'm always kind of of if you're ahead of the curve, you're not caught, you know, last minute. And, you know, last minute is always hard because we don't have a plan. We end up spending more. And, you know, that's all well and good for sales. But, you know, it makes us all very, very stressful. And, you know, the joy of gardening is not about stress. You know, we want it to be fun. We want it to be periodic. We don't want to have to do it every every single day or every week. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from The Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, the lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on this dry August Saturday. 
We've been talking a lot about water and uh, want to stress again at the end of the show here how important it is at this point in the season to really pick up your water. We really haven't had any moisture in the forecast, no rain, no thunderstorms. They they were talking a couple days about, we're going, oh, we're going to get these heavy thunderstorms and, oh, it's going to be this terrible torrential rain and nothing. Maybe you did. Maybe you got some in your neighborhood, but in the Yarmouth area and Scarborough and Kennebunk, we didn't. We didn't get anything. Um, and we have been watering plants like crazy, folks. Running our irrigation constantly. Uh, you know, getting the crops as moist as possible. Obviously, the heat is just by. But probably at this point, your hanging baskets aren't looking very good. And you're past the point where it makes sense for you to go ahead and cut them back and try to rejuvenate them. You're probably not going to really get a whole heck of a lot out of them at this point where we're late August. You might get them turned around. But at this point, if you want to go ahead and refresh your baskets, we have plenty. We've got a fresh crop of baskets that's just come on. Beautiful petunias, calabricoas, you know, all in kind of, you know, late summer, fall colors. So you can kind of redecorate some really nice oranges, purples, pinks, lavenders, um, you know, bronze. You know, so there's some really nice things. And of course, the mum hanging baskets are coming on. They're not quite ready yet, but I'm not a big mum hanging basket person. I like something that's more trailing. I like something that's got a little bit bigger flower. Um, and petunias will hold through many frosts. They take great, great, great frost in the fall. They will last right into October, sometimes even early November, if you take them in on really cold nights. But the supertunias are what I would recommend. They are just amazing. You know, again, same thing. You just go ahead and you fertilize all the time with them. But we've got a fresh crop of baskets, so if your baskets aren't looking very good, you know, you can go ahead and refresh those. You know, it's it's kind of, let's call it, you know, we've had a couple real hot stints. If you weren't able to keep up on water, if you haven't pruned back, if you haven't replanted them, you're probably, it's time to refresh. The nice part is they're all half price. So um, you can go ahead and, you know, refresh for minimal cost. You also can put those in some big containers, you know, on the deck or whatnot, and they'll take the frost. So, you know, a good way to kind of add that color like we were talking with Ed is, you know, now is the time to you can kind of spruce up, and that kind of leads me into fall decorating. I know, that fall thing, again, I keep bringing it up. But basically Labor Day, you know, just after Labor Day is when, we make the transition from summer to fall. I think everybody kind of does. They kind of use that as, okay, check. Now it's time to go thinking about apple picking. It's time to think about maybe doing a corn maze, you know, um, picking up, up some pumpkins, some corn stalks, some mums. You know, it's August is it's kind of like it's kind of like Christmas. You know, you see Christmas everywhere now, really early. And we kind of try to hold off as long as we can on putting mums out and stuff. But we've put our mums out this week for sale. You guys are asking for them. They have no flowers on them, but they look great. But pumpkins aren't quite ready yet. You know, pumpkins, gourds, bulbs, cornstalks, grasses. You know, all of that fall to me is for decorating. 
I, you know, the saying in our industry is fall is for planting, but I think fall is for decorating. You know, it's a great time of year. It's a fun time of year to decorate. It's a long time of year. You get eight to ten weeks out of your decorations. You know, if you decorate sometime around the first of September, you get eight to ten weeks out of these decorations. You never get that at Christmas. You know, what a great time of year to have a fall look. All the fall colors from our plants accented with corn stalks and pumpkins. If you want to refresh your window boxes, maybe don't put all plants. Put two or three mums in there. Buy some gourds. Stick some tops of corn stalks in there. A little bit of hay or straw. And you've got a window box that will look great all the way until Thanksgiving. And then Thanksgiving, you can throw all of it out and you can decorate for Christmas. So you can kind of do a natural transition. But don't always think plants when it comes to fall decorating because the corn stalks are a great way to go. Mini bales of straw with a pumpkin on them. Some of the squash are really amazing. You know, we've got blues and whites and, you know, tans and and all of those different winter squashes. You can use as decoration, but you also can eat them. So it's a win-win. You know, you don't have a vegetable for dinner. You walk out to the front step and you cut up the squash. You know, multitasking. You know, so you have opportunities to kind of use a lot of these things in many different ways. But fall to me is about decorating. You know, it's about all of that work all season you've done to your plants, and now the bountiful fall color is just amazing. There's nothing better than jumping in a big pile of leaves. You know, letting the kids just run around and jump in the leaves. And, you know, if you're really smart about it, they rake them into a big pile for you. And so you're able to get kind of the work done at the same time as having some fun. So, you know, I'm going to have to look for some kids, I guess. But luckily, I don't have a whole bunch of mature trees in my yard right now. So I'm getting ready to plant a bunch of trees. I'm planting a Nyssa sylvatica wildfire or Tupelo. I'm going to be planting one of those in the next week or so. And I'm going to be planting... I'm thinking maybe a Japanese maple this fall, you know, add something in there. Um, and I'm looking at maybe adding a few more fruit trees. So um, we don't have a lot of fruit trees in stock right now, but we can order them every week. So we don't stock them, but, you know, if you want six or eight apple trees or you want a cherry and, you know, a, a, a peach or, or whatnot, we can order those for you. We don't stock a lot of them in the fall, you know, due to the fact that it's really a spring sales item for us but the next year's fruit trees are ready we can order them every single week so if you're looking for kind of to add maybe a little orchard to the yard or something like that don't hesitate uh, to give us a call if you have a question don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255 we are back up on the web uh, we got you can probably see me on the web i'll wave a little bit um you know but uh you know, we had a little technical difficulties early earlier, but uh, you can also pick up the podcast at estabrooksonline.com. Um, so fall is one of those times when I think we can get so much done, and I've talked about it time and time and time again today. Um, but I, I want to stress about it's not just leftover plants in the garden centers. Go check out your local garden center. 
They should be bringing in some fresh material now. We just unloaded a couple big trucks of, of uh, material, and I want to let you know kind of the different things that have just come in, okay? Um, we've got a whole bunch of new flocks. You know those big garden flocks you see in everybody's garden that have just kind of gone by? There's still some elite varieties that are looking good. Those have just come in black-eyed Susans. Fall. You know, that beautiful orange, you see it from a big distance. It's bright, you know, big masses of them. We've got a bunch of those. We've got a bunch of new coneflowers. And one, we've got hot coral. And it's an orange, an orange coneflower that is just beautiful. Hydrangeas, we can't, we've been talking about hydrangeas forever, but the limelight hydrangea are amazing right now. Um, Wigelias. We've got some new wigelias we just brought in that are rebloomers. They bloom in the spring, and they bloom in the fall. Okay, bloomerang lilac. We got a new shipment of those. So again, blooms in the spring, blooms in the fall. So nice to add. Chelone or turtlehead. Great shade perennial. Nice pink flower. Fall dark green foliage. You know, great great plant. Fall-blooming clematis, clematis paniculata. You know, that big arching white clematis grows like a weed. You know, blooms late summer. We just got some of those in. Balloon flower, that blue, low-mounding balloon flower. Just bright electric blue, you know. And like I was talking, you know, earlier in the show. You know, the yards are just kind of looking stagnant right now. There's not a lot of color. You know, grasses. The grasses are coming into their glory everywhere. We just got a brand new shipment of grasses, everything from short, like little bunny, all the way to tall, like, you know, the nice old ribbon grasses and, you know, Miscanthus floridus, which I have in my yard. Eight feet tall right now, just starting to plume, six feet wide. If you have a place you want to screen your neighbor, but you don't want it year-round. Just in the summer months, Miscanthus floridus, eight feet tall the first year. Three to four feet wide when you plant it. Huge grower and a great screen. You know, early spring, you won't have a lot, but that's okay because we're not out, you know, early spring, you know, but from June to October, you've got an amazing screen. So around the pool might be a great spot, you know, if you've got that one area you want to block. Um, you know, or you've just got that one spot that you want to cover during the summer year, you know, season when you're out in the yard and you're using it, maybe you're sunbathing or, or whatnot, and you just don't want the neighbors, you know, peeking in. That's a great, great plant. So, um, boxwoods and junipers and arborvitae and camisipris. So a bunch of fresh evergreens have just come in and then hollies. You know, those wonderful hollies, they have the red berries in the fall, winter, but then also winter berry. We're going to ram it home on that Christmas theme here, okay? Um, Christmas is coming, and winter berry we always buy at Christmas for our containers. So if you have a spot in the back 40, you know, where you might want to plunk a couple in, and then you have your own to cut. So great, great opportunities. So, you know, and of course the sedums. The sedums are always coming into their glory in the fall, and we have a great selection, and they're just amazing. So all kinds of fresh stuff that's come in this week. I get excited about fall because there's fresh stuff. 
people excited about planting. The weather's perfect. You know, fall is my favorite time of year. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen, but what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference in Save Big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. To the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host, and another beautiful Saturday morning. Talked about a lot of different things this week. Uh, you know, a lot of water stress on plants, planning for fall, talking about Christmas already. I know I go to the stores and the pallets of Christmas material that's showing up. We're starting to put our Christmas trees up in the uh, in the store with all the ornaments. We have to follow the trend. You you all start buying Christmas early. And uh, so we've started putting up some of our, you know, ornament trees and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. As soon as we start putting them up, people start buying them. And so, you know, when you say, oh, I don't want, I don't, you know, I can't believe you're putting Christmas out. People are buying Christmas already. You know, it is a wonderful time of year, obviously, but we're still talking fall. You know, I'm not skipping fall. But I have one question from Tom in uh, in Bath, and his question is, by impatience of dropping their leaves and they're stopping blooming, I know there was a problem earlier on in the season that you were talking about. Do I have that, and what should I do? Okay, Tom, this is a prime example of, you know, downy mildew starting to show up. Now, this past spring, we were screaming from the top of my lungs, Downy mildew's coming. You're going to lose all your impatience. You know, don't plant them. I might have spoke a little too early because we haven't had a lot of problems like we did the year before. And a lot of folks that did plant them in containers have done very well with them. 
Now, we have seen some show up in the last couple weeks. It's starting to kind of take hold. Uh, Some of the impatients did not fare well in the heat, and that stress, I think, started the whole process kind of going. If you are having problems with your impatience, I want you to do me a favor. Go out and snap a picture and email the picture to me at tom at estabrooksonline.com. I want to get a sense out there of are people having a problem with their impatience because we always tend to err on the side of caution when it comes to a disease. As plant people, we want you to be successful, so we're always going to tell you the worst-case scenario. And then, you know, a lot of people, I was at a lovely customer yesterday, and she normally puts impatience all along the front of her house. And there was no color there this year. She didn't plant anything else. And I said, well, why didn't you plant something else? Well, I didn't know what would do well. I asked the staff. I, you know, got advice. They gave me the nice sheet that told me everything. But nothing's like an impatient. And that's true. Nothing is like an impatient. And she always used to do, you know, these masses of beautiful impatience. And so this year she didn't. But she did some in the backyard in her gardens. And she had the first signs of kind of downy mildew showing up. But she had gone all season. And I'm sorry, but if we can get all the way to mid-August with impatience, I'm completely fine with that. You know, if our conditions aren't really conducive to downy mildew showing up until that late in the season, I'm pretty sure we have a pretty good run of color through, you know, 4th of July and, you know, right into fall. So, you know, Tom, the question is, I think you have downy mildew. It's starting to show up periodically here and there. Now, you basically said two things that made me kind of think that that it's downy mildew. The dropping leaves and the stopping blooming, you know, is a sign of downy mildew you probably are going to start to see the tips turn black and it kind of wilt off and die. My suggestion is let's pull the plants sooner than later. Let's get rid of that, put it in a plastic bag, get it off to the transfer station or in the in the trash. I wouldn't add it into our compost pile. I think, you know, you're probably not getting enough heat to kill that, that spore and disease. Um, so downy mildew, but I want confirmations from some other folks. So send me some emails. I'd love to post them on our website and or post them, uh, you know, on our Facebook page, you know, so that people can see that people are having some problems because, you know, a lot of people didn't plant them. And if we didn't have a problem this year like we thought it was going to happen, then we're going to recommend people plant a little, you know, some more impatience next year and give it a shot and see what happens. So now's the time. I need some feedback from you, you folks. You always come in and ask questions and need answers from me. I need some answers from you. We're not getting a lot of feedback on this issue. And, you know, the best place for us to know how things are going, and maybe a lot of you didn't plant impatience, and that's why you can't give me the feedback. But I know we sold enough impatience this year to get some feedback. So next week, give me a call on the show, you know, and let me know what's going on with your patients and or send me an email and let me know, show me a picture. You know, if you're not sure you have it, you know, 
I'm sure we probably can come up with what's going on with your impatience. Now, we've had some heat, so there might be some heat issues. You know, if you didn't water well, it's been dry. So that also could be the issue right now. But, Tom, this sounds exactly like downy mildew. And we're going to probably have Lois Stack on from the Cooperative Extension, um, the horticultural specialist. We'll have her on in the next few weeks. She's been kind of trying to get some information. I've been talking with her. She's been talking about, you know, getting some information and feedback from other growers and also from Extension and Master Gardeners, trying to understand whether or not this is a big, big problem. Well, we're pretty much done for the week. But... It looks like a great week. Get out there, enjoy your garden. I know I'm going to do some work. I'm mowing my field. I'm starting to get my vegetable garden for next year prepped. I'm not going to be behind, I swear. You're not going to have an excuse next spring. You're going to have to get that veggie garden in on time. Enjoy your Saturday. WLOB Portland and WLOBRadio.com.